0: Blog Talk
1: Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segretto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit? Really? Of an entrepreneur, or lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor, or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis, or where the passion upon that pilot light under your belly, or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand, huh? And grow together and expand like a rage of fire, from a single to a multi unit empire. Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear, and stream it in HD, to so fine tune above your ears. Standing Paul lays down the law but you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor It's all about sustainable growth The sensible franchising, Proving concepts to start enterprising So use your left and right side of your brain And absorb this knowledge here of Franchising today I'm Badlands, baby Huh Franchising today Sustainable growth The sensible franchising franchise today Sustainable growth, the sensible franchise. Franchise today. Franchise. Today. <coughs> franchise Hello everyone
0: in <coughs> the franchise world. My name is Paul Segreto, and this is Franchise Today. Today is Wednesday, October twenty-fifth, twenty seventeen. And I'm reporting live from San Antonio, Texas, and my co-host, Stan Friedman is not with us today. He's speaking at a Franchise Success Summit in Raleigh, North Carolina. We'll certainly miss him this week, but I'm sure next week he'll be able to um, bring us some insight and perspective onto that uh, fairly new event, an event that might not be on everybody's radar. Speaking of events, uh, next week I will be at the um, Franchise Expo West which, of course, is back in Los Angeles, California, produced by MFV Expos and the International Franchise Association. So I'm looking forward to um, seeing everyone out there. And, of course, I'll be speaking with Teresa Huskin and Lee Clave on uh, Web 2.0, data breaches, technology, social media, and franchising, a three-and-a-half-hour symposium. That's next Friday at the uh, Franchise uh, Expo West. You'll be able to find um, me also at the uh, Franchise Foundry booth, which is booth number 811. Uh, Also coming up, we have the Emerging Franchise Or Conference, uh, which is, uh, um, let's see, it's November 6th through 8th in Phoenix, uh, Arizona. I'm scheduled to be there as well. Stan will be at these two events as well. And then, of course, the following week, I'll be at the Franchise Brokers Association Conference in Orlando, Florida. So it is definitely a very, very busy time for us, and uh, we're doing some um, logistical juggling uh, of the show. We've got some great guests coming on uh, over the next few weeks. We're going to round out our eighth year um, by the end of the year, and then, of course, we'll be starting year number nine for January and looking to take it up a notch. So without further ado, I'd like to uh, jump into the, uh, the meat and potatoes today. In uh, this quote, uh, we have built our entire firm by leveraging the best practices of the best in the business. Our client-centric approach is unique and allows us to help our clients find the best available talent in the market. We're old-school headhunters that attract a search and will relentlessly dig until we find and recruit the best. We treat all of our clients as clients, helping from entry to the executive suite, and, of course, that's by today's guest, CEO and founder of SearchPath, Mr. Tom Johnson. Tom, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Paul. Very glad to be on. Thank you. You know, it's um, it's an interesting uh, time. You know, we came out of the um, the big financial debacle of 2008-2012. We heard a lot about, mm-hmm. you know, transitioning executives and stuff, and, of course, you know, it, it, it seems the cream always rises to the top, uh, always has an opportunity to uh, to find that next position. Uh, but, of course, organizations like you, you know, are there as a as a resource, not only for them, but obviously the companies, and we'll dive some uh, into that. But, you know, like we ask all our guests, uh, you don't wake up one day and say, you know, I think I'm going to go to school and go into uh, – franchising, Everybody's come down this path in so many different Mm -hmm. ways. So why don't we take you down that path and go as far back as you'd like and uh, give us a little bit of history and tell us uh, how you wound up where you are
2: today. Okay, Paul, thank you very much. I'm glad to kind of talk a little bit about that. Not only did I not wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to get into the franchising, but the same thing with recruitment and, and search. Never thought I would be an executive recruiter or a headhunter. Uh, I grew up on the East Coast in New Jersey, Uh, went to St. Bonaventure University, and graduated with a degree in management science uh, years ago. I'm not going to give you the date, Uh, but it was a while ago. No idea what I was going to do. I had no idea what management science meant. Uh, I didn't know where the placement office even was on my campus. Uh, I came out of school, and like everyone else at the time, I was told immediately upon returning home, get a job. No idea what to do. So (laughs) I wound up, uh, one of my neighbors worked at UPS, and they had a management training program and asked me if I wanted to be a part of it, and it was actually being a a UPS driver. Uh, Every driver has to, everyone has to drive there before they become a supervisor. So I did that for a few years, probably one of the best jobs I've ever had. I progressed there, promoted a few times, wound up running a facility in Masbeth, Queens, New York. Decided to move to a different organization, Roadway. They were opening up a, a package delivery, and uh, today it's FedEx Ground, and I helped open up New Jersey for them, and then I got into the consulting business and absolutely hated it. Uh, I wasn't one that liked to go in and tell people what's wrong and you know walk in, here's how to fix it, and then walk away. I wanted to get involved, and this is where I started getting involved in this whole human capital space. I had an idea way back in the late 80s, early 90s, when large companies were uh, downsizing, reengineering, right-sizing, and tossing all their mid-managers into the marketplace. Why not put these people back to work in contract, interim, or temporary positions? And so I approached – I realized that in order for that to be – I thought it was a good idea, but it needed to be delivered through a recruiting company. They already had the clients. They were delivering primarily full-time recruiting solutions. And they had all these unemployed guys sitting in their database. So I said, well, why not go out and put these guys to work? And I approached a small firm in New York, and within a couple of years, we had a multi million dollar business, and the margins were unbelievable. And it was a great, great opportunity. And I started helping. I then left and started going around teaching temporary staffing companies, mid level recruiting companies, and senior level executive search firms how to deliver an interim executive solution as part of their service offering. And it was then in 1992 when I came across a gentleman by the name of Alan Schoenberg. He was the president, founder, CEO of a company called Management Recruiters International, MRI. And he invited me to move from the East Coast into Cleveland, Ohio, to build out a whole new franchise offering uh, called InterExec into his existing franchise system to help his franchisees offer another revenue-generating solution. So I did that, and that's when I basically got into the franchising world. Even though today, when I go back, I didn't realize when I was working with FedEx Roadway Package System that they were actually a franchise. Uh, everyone had to buy their route, but uh, they never used the word franchise. But I uh, came into MRI, spent four or five years there helping build that system out, put 350 units into the MRI system. Uh, this was when they were going through their explosive growth. From a few hundred franchises to, ultimately, they peaked out at about 1,100. And in the mid-90s, decided that the franchisee seemed to be having a lot more fun than I was. So I decided to jump in (laughs) and buy one of his franchises. And, you know, that's kind of how it went. Stayed there for a number of years. Uh, Absolutely loved doing search. My area of specialization was the search industry. So I actually was the recruiter of recruiters or the headhunter of headhunters and I still do that, but based on some changes that happened at the MRI organization, felt it was time to move on, and in 205, uh, with guidance from my mentor, decided it was time for me to open up my own franchise system, which is SearchPath, which we launched in 2005 206 uh, doing real well, right? heading right into that economic disaster, but we got through it, and we're here today, and we're starting to really grow the business, so that's just a quick summary of how I got into the recruiting and the franchising business.
0: Yeah, and along the way, of course, Mr. Schumberg was, uh, you know, certainly an, an icon in the industry, and I know there's a, a little bit of tidbit of information I'd like you to share <laughs> about where you're actually doing this call today.
2: You know, years uh, when MRI really was rolling 1,100 franchises worldwide – Six thousand recruiters, almost eight hundred million in revenues generated. Uh, they moved to one of the iconic buildings in Cleveland. They took two whole floors, the 30th and 31st floor, overlooking Lake Erie, and they completely built it out, customized the whole thing. And Allen had a custom executive suite developed and, and designed specifically for him. And they de- they designed this. And then when he retired, as a gift, they gave him his office suite and over the years uh he was storing it and one day he called me up when he heard i was moving to a new office space and asked me if i would take his desk and i could borrow it for a while that was about 10 years ago so i am actually sitting in my office it's uh we have a, an office called the alan schomberg memorial suite and i'm sitting at the desk that alan schomberg sat on when he peak of his glory uh And I'm conducting this interview while I'm sitting at his desk. So it's kind of cool. Just an interesting to remind you where I came from and somebody who had a big, big influence on me in my life. What a tremendous tribute. Yeah,
0: tremendous tribute. And um, I I appreciate you sharing that with us today. Um, It it, it really is a great tribute. I I wish we were able to do it live in there, the two of us, you know, sitting (laughs) across from each other. I think Well, we'll, well maybe someday we'll bring a thing. camera
1: in, and, yeah, we'll do that one. Yeah.
2: Later. We'll get that done. <laughs> <laughs> really neat.
0: So, um, search path. So, you, you mm-hmm. started search path. I, I, explain a little bit what search path uh, actually is, because so many different people really don't have an understanding between, you know, search, recruitment,
2: headhunter,
0: um, I mean, there's, there's so many different staffing, words, and know right, there right. are different things. So, give us a little bit of the uh, the lay of the land, so to speak. Yes, sure.
2: to You know what the different components of your industry segment actually is. Well, basically, we can keep this fairly simple. We can get it a little bit more complicated, but to keep it simple, you know, the the entire staffing industry is about three hundred and seventy billion dollar. Worldwide industry that encompasses companies that help, you know, a third-party company that helps one company uh, identify and bring on talent, and it goes everywhere from board of directors to hourly employees and everyone in between. And a, a big part of that is what's what we classify as the staffing industry. That's the the manpowers of the world, the Ronstats, where primarily temp staffing. They maybe do a little bit of temp to perm. They'll absolutely do a little perm, but those businesses are locally based. Uh, You typically have salespeople out. They go out and they have internal recruiters, and many of them have been under the franchise uh, domain, and uh, Kelly started as a franchise, as did many of the others. Those offices tend to be, uh, whether they're working a day or a week or a month, Uh, they primarily temp staffing, they're locally based, and they're primarily functionally driven, meaning they'll place accountants, they'll place day laborers, they'll place some healthcare people, and that's a big part of the segment. When you move up the food chain to where the client is not only requiring talent, but they also need a certain set of skills, but then they also need industry experience, meaning we don't just need... An accountant, we need a director of accounting who's going to oversee a group of accountants. So, not only do we want them to have that skill and experience, but we also want them to have industry experience. So, that's where SearchPath and some of those other firms come in. Uh, sometimes the term they call it professional managerial recruitment, uh, some will call it contingency search. I'll get to that in a minute. And that's really where the salaries tend to be in that 50, 60, $60 70 thousand dollars a year annually, and then go all the way up to even a couple of million. When you get to the very highest part, the executive searches, or sometimes you call it retained search firms, they tend to be where the salaries are that 250, 250 thousand annually and above. Our world tends to be right in that middle. Section where the sixty seventy thousand to just under two hundred thousand, and primarily we do full time hires, but we also do interim and a variety of other services. The terms get a little bit confusing. The term headhunter is something that a lot of the uh, people will use. Some people find it offensive. Other people thinks it's just fun. Uh, recruiter is a term that's getting really overused a lot. You know there are companies out there that are just posting job orders on the job boards and on the internet and LinkedIn, and they're receiving resumes and screening them. That's not what we do. The definition of what we do is we're industry-specific executive recruiters or search consultants or headhunters, whichever term you like. And we go out and we build relationships with the top talent in our industry niche. We find and have relationships with passive candidates not necessarily candidates that are active in the market, on the job board, unemployed looking for work. We find the the top performers. So when a company engages our services, typically our fees are 25 to 30% of the first year's salary. We then go out in a very targeted way, identify the top talent, usually the passive candidates that aren't actively looking but performing at a high level at their role, We approach them. We ask them if they know or would be interested in the opportunity and we recruit them to look at our uh, program. So we're kind of like talent agents at a very high level. We work with very exclusive individuals. We work tenderly. We call them, you know, people that are part of the 130% Club, people that are so good at what they do that a client would pay us a premium just to be met and introduce them. So that's kind of a quick definition. The word contingency search comes in a lot because one of the methodology actually that Alan Schoenberg created was we will find you a candidate and you'll pay us only if you hire the candidate. It's a marketing technique. Uh, Most of the time, though, we work with exclusivity and we try to get exclusivity. Sometimes we get retainers or engagement fees up front. So, again, the terms get a little bit crazy, but simplistically, we are industry-specific uh recruiters or headhunters who go out and help clients identify the best, the passive, uh top performing candidates. We introduce them, facilitate the process and uh, help the client get the talent they need and help a great candidate identify a new career opportunity. Does that make sense? I kind excellent. of simplified it. Yeah, but,
0: excellent. And yeah. I know and I know in our conversations and uh in reading your, your website and this video on the website that I think is is just exceptional, and, and you mentioned it uh, just a minute ago about, you know, building relationships. But, you know, unlike some of these other executive search firms, uh, and I hope I'm using the, the, the terminology correctly, it, it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of them, you know, work with the elite or at least the perception is, you know, they're working with the uh, elite. And I know, you know, basically with search path, Uh, as we titled it today, The Right Solutions from Startup to Fortune 500. And I know in our conversations Mm -hmm. you talked about, you know, flexibility. Explain some of that because I don't think the average person thinks that maybe they would be the right individual to come to a firm like or actually to
2: the firm, you know, search path. Uh, Well, coming to the firm, you mean as a candidate or a client? uh, Well, yeah as a candidate or at or as a client yeah um i think what's happening a couple things number one uh the amount and roles that are that companies are asking us to recruit on is rapidly changing you know there used to be a time where you know they were fairly selective but we've actually got one of our franchise owners that's working in the automotive f- field because companies can't find certified technicians and they're paying search fees For automotive technicians which is awesome it's never been done before so we're starting to see more and more roles are being brought in where companies saying look uh, we really desperately need uh, talent and we can't find them and we're willing to pay search fees for them when we talk about flexibility we have an approach to the market we call it the client centric approach first and foremost when we get a client we don't recommend that you go in and just say well I only want to handle You know, searches where the fees are over $75,000 a year. Believe it or not, there are companies out there, search firms, large, well-known search firms that if the fees are under a certain level, they'll say their fees are too low and we're not going to work with you. Go to someone else. That makes no sense to me at all from a business point of view. So what we teach our, our franchisees is to go out into the marketplace, identify companies you want to work with, build a relationship with them, and then help them. And provide any type of service that they need, whether it's senior level executive search, mid-level recruiting. Uh, we've had companies that have come in and said, "We just need you to go out and help us find uh, college grads and be flexible. Help them uh, consider them a client, not just you know, walk in with your, "This is what I want to do. That's not how you sell to a company. And we have an approach called client-centric approach because we didn't like being considered a classified contingent or retained because there's issues and problems with both those models our model is very very simple it's a five-step program where we walk in and ask the client how can we help you and they'll explain where they having problems as it relates to human capital talent and then we provide a variety of solutions we do full-time direct placement interim uh, executive placement, we can do RPO, we can do temp, whatever they need, we will help them with that. We then talk about relationship. Are we the only firm working on it? Do we have an exclusive opportunity or are we non-exclusive? Are, we, are other firms working on it? Both are acceptable ways to do business. We're open to compete. In my opinion, you have to earn the right on both the client and as a recruiter to be exclusive. Uh, basically, are you married or are you dating? It's totally appropriate. We then talk about Mm -hmm. our fee for service some companies uh search firms you know we want x percent of base salary we have no negotiation again we start that conversation with asking a company what's their budget some young startup companies can't afford you know a 30 percent fee the the owner of the firm may not even be making that much money so we ask them what do your budget what do you need how can we help you uh we do flat fees we'll do percentages We've got all kinds of different ways. Whatever works with the client, sometimes it's a monthly fee. And then when all those things are done, we talk about the fifth segment, which is um, terms and conditions. When do we get paid? How long is our guarantee? Those are the areas where we negotiate. And this is where we introduce one of our game-changing concepts that no other firm in the world does. We actually offer in certain situations that we'll put a portion of our fee based on the success of the candidate after they start. Most, for all search firms, they want their fee when the candidate starts or within a week or two. We actually will put a portion of our fee based on the success of the candidate maybe 90 days after they start as long as they're performing and meeting the objectives that the company has set for the candidate, and that creates a very, very different relationship. We're partners, and you know we, we want to be paid not only in our ability to find a great candidate but on their ability to perform, and that's a game changer. And that's helped us with uh, some of our growth and helping us differentiate ourselves from many of the other firms that are out there.
0: So tell us what happens, you know, if that
2: candidate doesn't make the grade, so to speak. Uh, what what happens Well, at you know, uh, sometimes things do not work with the candidate uh, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's the company's fault. Sometimes it's the candidate's fault. It's never the recruiter's fault, because remember, we're just making the introduction. At the end of the day, the client has to accept and, and hire the candidate, and you know we have a product that can say no if it's not right. But if it's not working out, uh, normally we will have anywhere from a 90 to a six-month, even a one-year replacement where we'll go back in and we'll do the search again. Um, again, that's kind of an industry standard, but we're a little bit more aggressive where we'll actually put a portion of our fee based on that. Well, so you you mentioned earlier about
0: a passive uh, job seeker, maybe somebody that uh, hasn't even decided or they're just thinking about it and they get involved with your company. You have a a, a neat solution or resource actually called uh, My Hunt Path. Explain some of that and what the benefit is to that type of individual
2: Well, the My Hunt Path program uh, kind of evolved really about six, seven years ago. And it it evolved out of, and and the basic reputation of most executive recruiters, headhunters, uh, search consultants are they're not very nice people. And here's the reason, Paul, is they're taught, even when I was back in the early days when I was learning recruiting, we're taught only focus on candidates, spend your time on candidates that you can generate revenue from either a potential client or potential candidate, which means on a daily basis you're coming across people uh, that need help but aren't ever going to be somebody that we're going to place for a fee. Typically, you know, when a recruiter gets involved with a candidate, if they're not at that exceptional level in their industry niche and have a requirement that matches that person's uh, background, they're, they may actually hurt them from getting a job. But I was never comfortable with that. So from the very first day I did recruiting, I always made time to help other people, whether they're kids coming out of college, you know, an ex-con coming out of jail, or you know a friend that's looking for a job, and I always helped them. And about seven years ago, when the economy was really in a tanking, uh, 2013, uh, 2010, uh, 2011, when the unemployment rate was up, and everybody was really, really panicking, I started to do some volunteer work just thought I could help and when I did that first program Paul I thought I would be you know meeting with people that have been out of work and I would help them I'm a recruiter Head recruiters head are probably the best there is when it comes to career counseling and coaching and so I sat there in the room there was about 30 people in it and there were some people that were unemployed some out of work for a couple of years had no idea how to get a job you know, putting resumes out on the Internet, chasing ads, that doesn't work. It never has. It's, it's a broken system. But they were really looking for some help. But then I also had people in the room who were employed, who had jobs, and they either wanted a new one, a different one, or they were afraid they were going to lose their job. And once again, no idea how to get a job. Nobody teaches people how to do this. I had kids coming out of college, some of the best schools in the country, assuming they'd walk out, they came into a tough market, no idea how to get a job. Most career counseling uh, services in the college universities are fantastic to give you advice, but only if you want to be a career counselor in a college. They really haven't been out in the real world. They don't understand what's going on out there. I had people, those Encore people that were in their late 50s, early 60s, are looking for one more opportunity, but they weren't looking for a nine-to-five, two-week vacation. They were looking for 10-to-two, Fridays and Mondays off more flexibility, and I need to go to Florida for a month in the winter. And then I had people in the room that when I sat and talked to them and I tried to, you know, pull out what they're really looking for, they wanted to be in their own business. They had a dream about being an entrepreneur, had no idea where to even start. And finally, just throw everyone else in. I had a woman 20 years out of the workforce taking care of a family, back in because she needs and wants to work, no idea where to even begin. I had a Uh, A guy coming out of one of the local prisons, I had a guy coming out of the service. Once again, they're all sitting there, so I'm like, what am I going to do? And then my natural – I just got a great idea. I said, I'm going to teach every one of them how to be – or I'm going to teach them what I teach my franchisees, how to be a recruiter. Teach them the methodologies and techniques that I take for granted to evolve them from being reactive job seekers to proactive job hunters – using the techniques and methodologies of the executive recruiter and so that has evolved into my hunt path we're delivering services all over the country from high school kids to senior executives and everything in between we're doing some work internationally in Afghanistan working with reentry and nonprofits but we're teaching people how to take better control of their career and so what it does is it helps us build relationships gives us the ability using a technology platform to help people that we may not be able to help today who are desperately looking for some help. And it helps us build the relationships. And the idea is if we can help everybody better manage their career, get their first job, their last job, their first internship, when we do have a need where we need their help, they're going to take our calls because we have a relationship with them. A select few we're going to wind up placing into roles once, twice, the candidates I've placed three or four times. Some of those people are going to evolve to become our clients through SearchPath. And then every once in a while, we ask people if they re- they realize that the person with the best job in the room is not the one interviewing or being interviewed. It's the recruiter who gets 30% just for making the introduction. And so that's kind of our vision on how we're going to grow SearchPath with a very long, help as many people as we can, place the ones that we can, work with the ones that can use our services. and. Recruit the best to come be a part of our organization as either franchisees or recruiters. Excellent. Before
0: we go to the mid-show break and then get into the uh, the franchise component, uh, I'd like sure. to ask you a question about you know sure. LinkedIn, the the social media that so many people believe is the replacement mm-hmm. for their resume, the replacement for finding a job, it, it, the, the all the all that. Tell us Mm -hmm. how you utilize it, maybe what the myths are around it, because I really don't think people have a a correct understanding of of where LinkedIn plays Uh into the mix.
2: Yeah. LinkedIn is a phenomenal research tool. Originally, it was created as a way for people to connect with each other, but a couple things that people have to understand. One, it has gotten so large, great, great resource, but it's overwhelming. So many people are throwing as much content and invitations, and they're feeling like their whole world is based on building up that network in a social media sense, and they're spending way too much time. Second, it is a public site. People can see who you're connected to. There are companies out there that require, because they pay for the license, especially if it's a, a, an elevated license, they want to know who you're connecting with. So, reality, it's become very much a large job board. All I would say is it's a good resource tool, it's, but keep in mind, it's public. And I believe, as do uh, many people that I know, that a job search is confidential. You don't want anybody to know you're looking for a job or open to look at opportunities until you've secured that new role and you tell them on your terms so linkedin is a great tool but there's many other tools out there but our primary tool is that selective database that we create in our industry niche with the people that we've built relationships over time and so it's a great resource i believe like any other of these social media uh, programs it's going to run its course facebook i don't believe facebook is a place to be looking for jobs you know you can reach out to people and connect to them but uh, the reality is we're kind of old school. The right way to build a relationship with someone is pick up the phone and call them with an opportunity, offer to help them. You know, uh, We just do it the way it's always been done for the last 30 years is you've got to build relationships, and that doesn't happen with connections on LinkedIn or friending somebody on Facebook or sending a resume blindly into a, a role. You've got to be very, very careful. Absolutely. appreciate that. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm
0: Paul Segretta, and we're talking today with Tom Johnson, CEO and founder of SearchPath. Franchise Today is brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where they've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach that delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team, as well as for their franchisees. The Franchise Foundry team is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and, of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can also assist you in creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and provide you with the guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about the Franchise Foundry along with their expanding list of clients at www.FranchiseFoundry.com. Franchise Today is also brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and perspective, as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all the messages to and from perspective and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified, too, with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today's day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored, in candidate and franchisee records FRM even provides State of the art digital experiences For your prospective franchisees Replacing old style virtual brochures No long term contracts Multiple upgrades each year At no additional cost No excuses Just solutions On the web At FRM
1: Solutions Franchise Pros Stand the May Paul Segretto, Badlands Baby Huh. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchising today. Franchise today. Huh. Franchising,
0: today. Huh. franchising today. Yeah. And we are back. And, of course, my guest is Tom Johnston, CEO and founder of SurgePath, and I'm Paul Segretto. I'm writing solo today. Stan Friedman, my co-host, is at the Franchise Success Summit in Raleigh, North Carolina. Tom, a great first half of the show, letting us know about your own path, giving us insight into SurgePath and the benefits for, um, you know, for, for candidates and clients alike. And, uh, and certainly, we love the fact that you're sitting there in, in, in an icon suite, an icon's chair. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, just, it's just a great story. But, but now let's shift gears a little bit and, and talk some mm-hmm. about the the franchise opportunity. Um, and I think okay. we need to preface that first by talking about the the, the client and why SearchPath is such a benefit. For the client and, of course, for our listeners, I'm referring to the companies that contract with SearchPath.
2: Well, it's real simple. You know, the I don't think no matter what business you're in, uh, if you don't have the right person with the right background and experience in the right role, you're going to fail. And I've seen you can have the greatest business plan in the world. You can have plenty of capital. But if you have the right leadership in the right roles, Nothing's going to help you become successful. We do a lot of work around sales, operations, executive leadership. The key comes down to not all companies feel the need to go out and get the best talent That's fine. There's always been you know average and below average companies out there that think well i'm going to find the cheapest way to find you know the talent I need to grow the company. I'm going to put an ad up on you know one of the job boards i'm going to do I'm going to hire. You know some kid to go out and see if they can find candidates off of social media or you know, putting ads out well that's okay and you those are the candidates most candidates on the job boards are either out of work unemployed or about to be unemployed or perpetually unhappy because they're public sites and people don't realize that if you put your resume out uh publicly you're telling the world you're looking for a job and in my opinion If you're looking for a job and you're currently working, that's theft. Uh, You should not be doing that. So the best candidates are not out on the job boards, but there are a select group of companies that realize when they have a key need, getting a good candidate isn't good enough. They need a great candidate with industry experience. And believe it or not, many of my clients are search firms. These are recruiters, and they know that having somebody dedicated and focused who knows where the top talent is who can go out and proactively approach them and recruit them to consider new opportunities. And the candidates trust the good recruiters and they'll look at opportunities and we're able to facilitate the need. So, you know, no matter where you are globally, because we do work around the world, no matter what industry you're in, if you need, if you look and say, getting a good candidate is okay, but getting a great candidate could mean a significant improvement in my revenues, could help me save costs, can help me grow my business, then you know, throwing an ad up on the internet is not going to work. You need to go out and get a professional search consultant who knows your industry to go out and find you the best talent. And times, Paul, we'll call 1,000 candidates and we'll interview dozens until we find the one that matches what our clients are looking for. And that level of uh, effort is what helps us stand apart and earn our fees. So quite simply, having the best talent to some companies is a critical key to success and we're the ones that bring them the talent
0: so with that in mind you know tell us about you know the franchise opportunity because uh, you spoke a lot of uh, what appears to be you know certainly specialization and that could actually frighten some individuals so let's let's kind of get the playing field back to uh
2: sure. to to
0: level <laughs> And let's mm-hmm. talk about you know the the franchise opportunity and and what candidates coming in and and obviously becoming franchisees, you know will will learn so that it it gives them a sense that you know this is something that they
2: can do. Sure. Um, well, again, a couple of things. The whole art of recruiting really is more about just you know talking to people building relationships, I start every conversation with how can I help you, whether it's a candidate or a company. We can bring people in. We've taken successfully taken people right out of university and college. And we can put them into the recruiting business. We've taken CEOs that are looking for an encore career. Every recruiter chooses an industry specialization. Many times it's from where they have a tremendous network. But reality, we don't have to be industry experts to recruit industry experts. What we have to do is we're more of a facilitator, an agent. We have to know which questions to ask and our clients help us with that. Our candidates give us our answers. I've had people come in, jump into a brand new industry and within a couple weeks, they know some of the key words, but when you're talking to people, you know, 10, 15 people a day about your industry, you're reading about it, you're attending industry uh, events, you become an expert in the talent in the industry. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to place a rocket scientist. You just have to ask a company that builds rockets, what do you want in a scientist? They'll tell you. You learn to get the details you need from them. And then when you're out talking to rocket scientists, you're going to say, can you do these things? And within a few months, you're going to become an expert in the types of information you need to be a great recruiter. So, um, that's the first misconception is in order to be a great recruiter in industry, I have to be an expert. No, we just teach you how to recruit. The other thing, the recruiting is fairly simple. It's once you identify your industry niche, it's reaching out to key decision makers, introducing yourself, asking them how you can help them, building a relationship with them, and when they have a need, they'll tell you what it is and you go get the person. Recruiting somebody is simply if they tell you they need a rocket scientist, well, the most likely person that knows a rocket scientist who might be open to a role are other rocket scientists. So you call them and ask them. You never recruit them directly. That's one of the other things some of what I call the, the PICA recruiters do. Uh, we just simply call and ask, who do you know? Here's an opportunity we're working on. Who do you know that might be open? And eventually somebody's going to raise their hand and say, what about me? And then we just say, tell us a little bit about your background or what makes you special. Tell us why you're going to be able to solve the problem. And then we simply make the introduction and facilitate it. Uh, we never teach people to make placements. You can't make a placement. We just simply say, talk to people, introduce. You know, we get, we our whole metric that we follow is meetings. Get as many meetings as we can, and ultimately the the revenue is going to come from that. Our process is very simple. Our training takes two weeks from beginning to end. Uh so it's a fairly simple business, Paul. There's not a tremendous amount of overhead. Uh, a great recruiter needs a phone. The database we use, it's under $100 a month. Good computer, Internet. But we also have a lot of flexibility built into our model because we are a professional services company. We have sole proprietors. We have people that work from home. We have people that want to be in an office. I'm in a, as I mentioned, I'm in a big office. Um, we have people that work sole proprietor. We have people that... I'll focus on like a Rainmaker model where they go out and bring in the clients and they hire people to do the research and recruiting. Uh, we have models where you can hire uh, several individual recruiters all working different industries and you can bring them in as employees or 1099s. So we have a tremendous amount of flexibility and what we bring to the table like every other franchisor is a proven system. know, our top performer did over two million dollars a year last year in a home office with a couple of uh, remote employees, and his margins were spectacular. So it's highly profitable, very low investment capital to get involved, and it offers something that's very, very unique. Recruitment, especially at the senior levels, kind of came out of the consulting industry, and like most other professional services, it was based on hours. But fortunately, back in the 70s, somebody came up with this bright idea to base our fees based on percentage of salary. And what that did is that freed us to be able to not have to worry about hours and, con- and that type of thing. So tremendous amount of flexibility. i like to tell people that our business also very much focused on just talking to people and the advent of technology. I could do my business basically anywhere as long as I've got my cell phone and I can talk to people. Uh, our databases are in the cloud. I've closed deals on a cruise ship in the Mediterranean, a chairlift in Vail, and on a beach in Mexico. And it gives us a lot of, and at a, you know, watching my son's wrestling match, I I have the ability to have a life. It's not a, I have to be in the office at seven and I have to stay there till 10. I can do this business basically anywhere. So it's really a fun business. Uh, We offer tremendous training, coaching, uh, and support to help people identify their specific. Which is a little different than other franchises. We don't come in and say, You're going to have to do it this way. We come in and say, You tell us what you want that business to look like, what kind of revenue you want to generate, and we'll build the plan around your goals. Whereas a lot of the franchisees are a much more defined uh, way of doing business. And then we like to tell people, This is a great business because we help people. I've never placed a candidate into a role they didn't want because they can say no. I've never had a client uh accept one of my candidates and pay us one of our fees if the candidate didn't fit their needs and at the end of the day i don't have to deal with cold cuts and uh pizza <laughs> you know or you're not up to your elbows in, in you know ham and and pepperoni so again it's for certain people who've got a, a what we look for in a franchise prospect is somebody that just has a genuine desire to help people obviously we want somebody with an outgoing personality uh, and then more importantly, one of the most important things is somebody who is coachable and willing to follow our systems uh, and, you know, follow the processes and things that we've proven over time work.
0: What's the, um, the typical day in the life of, uh, of a first-year franchisee?
2: Well, you know, we, we, can, we have a very defined way. Typically, we get them, you know, you get in, get up in the morning, get your stuff together, Um, and usually we recommend that you spend your mornings doing your business development, your marketing, reaching out to your clients. Uh, We also market candidates, high-performing candidates, to move the process forward uh, and spend kind of your mornings doing kind of the business development. And then right around 11, 1130, start doing things like reference checks, setting up interviews, that type of thing, checking your voicemail, grab lunch, Usually the early afternoon, we focus on recruiting candidates for the searches that we have. And then, you know, around 3, 3.30, you start following up on some of the things that you've, voicemails and emails and things like that. And the most critical thing, and this is where a lot of recruiters drop the ball, is then spend about 45 minutes to an hour planning your next day. So we want everybody to start your day with a plan on who I need to call, what I want to get out of those calls, So it involves, uh, uh, you know, a defined process of planning, and we have all the technology to do that. And that's kind of the day. Uh, You know, you reach out to your clients and and help them identify their needs, find the candidates, facilitate the process, plan for the next day. Pretty simple, but it works. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent.
0: So we hear a lot in franchising, especially – where there are, you know, territories and there are markets uh, defined Mm -hmm. and there are, you know, buildings, as we refer to them, as as bricks and mortar. So Mm -hmm. when a search path franchisee comes on, you know, does he have a specific territory? Does he have an opportunity to eventually grow into a bigger, maybe a multi-unit franchise? Explain some of that, because I think those are
2: some very unique yeah. nuances to your brand. Sure. First is, uh, as an individual recruiter, we encourage our people to work globally. Uh, they're industry-specific, so they're not going to work their local market, which is why you can have recruiters in Vale, Colorado. You can have people in Florida. They don't have to work a geographic territory. They work globally. So, there's no restriction on that. So, that's one of the key things that's a little bit different from us. As far as brick and mortar, like I say, we some people like to work in an office and they can build their office with hiring people. Others, it can be a home based office. And we have one of our, like I said, one of our top offices home based with multiple recruiters uh, located virtually around the country and they work together and do a great job. Uh, as far as territories, we limit the amount of recruiter uh, office that we have based on statistical population. So we're not gonna put you know two hundred offices in Cleveland and I think you know we'll limit it to a certain number. But because every one of our franchisees and every one of their recruiters works a different industry niche, territory really hasn't been as big of an issue. And then uh, we do allow our franchisees to open multiple offices if they want to. Um, and then what we also see is you know, some of the biggest and best recruiting companies I mean, there's a friend of mine that down in the Southeast has a recruitment firm. It's a single unit location. And I think he has, last count, 60 people working in that uh, office. And I think last count, they were doing about 24 million bucks with about a 20 to 25% profit margin. So there is, as in any other professional services uh, type of business, an opportunity to really develop it based on specific goals. Uh so there is the one unique thing is it does give people the flexibility to build the business what they want. I love when people walk through the door and say I want to build, you know, a multi million dollar, you know, brick and mortar location, but I also am excited when someone comes in and says, Look, I'm I'm good if I can, you know, do a couple hundred thousand, but I want a lot more flexibility uh, you know, for children or variety. I've got one guy just it's all about golf. <laughs> he wants to make sure he gets three golf games in a week and you know recruitment can offer you that type of flexibility sure
0: sure it can and flexibility is something a lot of people are looking for as we become more and more an entrepreneurial type of economy well Tom I really appreciate mm-hmm. you being our guest today uh, tell uh, tell our audience how they could learn more about SearchPath.
2: well uh, again if you go to uh you know, www.searchpath.com backslash uh, franchise opportunities. Uh, you go to our website. There's plenty of information there. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd be glad to uh, hook up and talk to anybody about this opportunity. Uh, we'll do whatever we can to help. Um, but we're looking to grow uh, both domestically and internationally. We've got some real interesting things going on, and it's a great time. I don't think there's ever been a better time to get into this industry the market is as hot as it can be. The unemployment rate is basically we're at full employment. And I think companies are realizing that if they're going to run lean and mean, they better have the right talent or it's not going to work. So it's a great opportunity and would love to, you know, share and help anybody who's interested. Well, I
0: appreciate it. Thanks again, Tom. Um, really appreciate you being our guest today. And, of course, not you know, problem, letting everybody know, Yeah, letting everybody know, you know, uh, you can uh, look online at searchpath.com. Great information. I know I spent quite a time, bit of time on that the other night, and uh, it really opened my eyes to a few things. So um, great stuff. So next week, uh, Stan will be back. Thank you, Tom. Next week, Stan will be back. Um, We haven't yet figured out uh, what our mutual travel schedules are like, so... uh, Hopefully one of us will be on the ground someplace to be able to do franchise today. If not, we'll uh, certainly let you know that. So until then, my name is Paul Segreto. Wishing you the best, the very best Thanks, in this Paul. great, great thing called franchising. And franchise today is
1: <laughs> franchise pros. Stand the man, Paul Segreto. Time to show you the way. Franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of the entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis. Or whatever passion likes that pilot light under your belly. Or do you wanna start a business, fam? Using the proven trademark from another brand, huh? And grow together and expand like a rage of fire. From a single to a multi-unit empire. Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear. It's streaming in HD. So fine-tune both your ears. And standing and Paul lays down the law. Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor. It's all about sustainable growth. for sensible franchising. Proving concepts to smart enterprising. So use your left and right side of your brain. And absorb this knowledge here of franchising. Today, I'm bad. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Franchising today. Franchising today. Huh? Franchising today.